Welcome to Twitch of the Death Nerve, a cult movie podcast that takes a deep dive into a different film each episode. Our wide-ranging discussions will touch on genre, culture, and the history of psychotronic cinema. I'm Charles. I'm Sam. I'm John. And while a lot of the people in our circle of friends have been getting down with some real wacko Godfrey Ho movies in honor of Ninja November, and some of our more highbrow, sophisticated wanks have been hanging out with Bogart and Bacall for Noir November, but us, <laughs> we've been on a, a, a slightly different wavelength. For the last couple of weeks since Exhumed Films' 24-hour horrorthon, we have been plumbing some pretty scuzzy depths in exploitation cinema, researching and cataloging some truly reprehensible corners, not just of cinema, but of humanity itself. Which brings us to our discussion today of the absolute psychotronic classic, 1978 Mondo documentary Faces of Death. In one brief moment, within the span of a heartbeat, your world could stop. There is no way to predict when you will become one of them. For the first time in cinema history, the greatest fear of all mankind will be graphically exposed. Now, a motion picture dares to take you beyond the threshold of the living, where you may discover your own face of death. Okay, and I just want to say right off the bat that I have been low-key dreading this episode. <laughs> Don't like, be such a baby. Not, not recording it. I mean, I'm forever hyped to talk t- movies with you guys. But Mondo movies have always been in my blind spot for good reason. Uh, I definitely saw a smattering of the Faces of Death movies when I was a kid. And I think maybe like the first Traces of Death I, I don't know. I'm not sure, but I think Traces is the most popular of the knockoffs. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I definitely like. I feel like I saw one of them, but I, I got no memory of it. I remember that was like a weird, dark time when I was a kid. I remember when I first saw the trailer for Mondo Kane, and I realized that these like kind of shocking exploitation documentaries were a whole ass genre, and I kind of just like noped out without ever really getting my beak wet, and the thought of seeing all this like gut-wrenching real-life imagery of war crimes and animal cruelty but like mixed in with this like hyper-sexualized footage from sex clubs in Amsterdam and like tribal rituals in sub-Saharan Africa and like and they got that weird narrator the whole time doing this like wry sardonic racist professor routine with like mixing half truths with just like racist psycho nonsense it's like a carnival barker stole the tardis and showed you all the fucked up shit you could find yeah (laughs) yeah and and it definitely just didn't really appeal to me before and so but i also uh, i'm at the point in my life where i need to kind of fill in the gaps and i'm I'm, need is a strong word but well I but, know. I feel like it's kind of necessary if you're into exploitation movies to at least like see at least Mondo Kane, like the the big one. Yeah. Oh, for sure, for sure. So while this episode is ultimately going to be a discussion on Faces of Death, and and the legacy of Faces of Death, I feel like it's important for us to sort of establish some context for what gave birth 
to it and what gave birth to a lot of I feel like your intro is a regular person's approach to the subject matter whereas I feel like <laughs> John and I and certainly people like John and I who you know if you listen to our first episode we talk all about Fulci's Gates of Hell and just this like sense of discovery around really gross out movies that felt like this sort of forbidden kind of Pandora's box like once you watch it will you be able to unwatch it like how is it going to change you but also that side of it but like growing up listening to black metal and death metal like there I think there is this sort of like teenage brain sense of like, I need to find the grossest shit possible and it's going to be in these Mondo movies. Yeah. That was a, that was a big part of it. Especially like if you listen to carcass where all their album art and stuff is like actual photos of chopped up dead bodies and morgues, it kind of gets your appetite wet for it. (laughs) (laughs) But I remember in a manner of speaking, the, the funniest thing is, I can't remember a time where I didn't know what Faces of Death was. I like I hadn't seen it until I was a little older, like maybe like 12 or 13. But like before that, I knew it. And it was always at the video store. And I knew what it was. Yeah. And we went to the same video store. Yeah. And it, it wasn't even in the horror section. It was in this own. Oh, no. It was in the horror section. Oh, I, was remember, it? I kind of remember it being just like somewhere else. No, like, it was because it was always like. Since I knew what it was, it was always uh, like passing the a dead body in in the morgue where I'm like, every movie looks fun and like, oh, wow, this is going to be a gory, fun horror movie. And then this movie, I'd literally feel nothing from like I knew not like, fun. Yeah, I knew something <laughs> was wrong with it. And it was it was like the opposite of the obelisk in 2001. Yeah. Where like, you know what? That thing's like yeah, pulsing and everybody's going nuts. Yeah. This one, like. It was literally like looking at like a dead thing. Like there was no energy coming from it. It was just like dark and black. And it promised you that you were going to see something that was going to disturb you. And I was like, I'm not ready for this yet. You will be witness to what I have discovered. May you be the jury. But your verdict will be one of self-conviction. I know what I have witnessed. Now it is your turn. Prepare yourself for a journey into a world where each new step may give you a better understanding of your own reality. For I am sure you will gain a new perspective from the many faces of death. All right, let's 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 rewind the tape a little bit. So what exactly is a Mondo movie, and what when did it come along? Like, was that a, a phrase that existed before the genre, or was it a phrase that was born out of the genre? Well, so what it is... They're ba- so they're, they're sort of a fine line here. And ultimately, they're shocking, intentionally provocative mockumentaries or pseudo-documentaries where their main aim is to just surprise or titillate, which is why, like you were saying earlier, there is usually a lot of really violent content mixed with sexual content and also this sort of travelogue it's like national geographic gone wrong some of the time and there are definitely different categories of mondo movies which we'll talk about more in a minute but mondo kane was the first one and i think where it came from and why it was so popular throughout the 70s and 80s with cult movie directors is because you're basically taking found footage of 
horrible, unusual, strange events and turning them into a quote unquote documentary where there's a narrator who spouts a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, an unreliable narrator. But <laughs> unreliable narrator, but like not in the gothic fiction sense of the word, in the sense that they're sort of posited to be these scientific experts but really it's just like some actor who doesn't know what the fuck is going on although when i was a kid i was like this guy must be uh because in faces of death he's he's supposed to be a pathologist yes, right yes dr francis gross <laughs> yeah, a wonderful uh -huh. name it is a wonderful I, name i was on to his game early on in the film when he took off his like doctor gloves and his doctor jacket and i'm like that's not how you fucking do it <laughs> you know i uh... <laughs> yeah and some of it definitely like a lot of these involve reconstructions where it's like you're watching rescue 911 for anyone old enough yes. to remember that or unsolved mysteries where they're presenting you with this shocking scenario and sometimes there's stock footage or like actual footage of what they're talking about but my favorite part is the ones where they do these like alleged versions of what happened but it like it looks like somebody's making a horror movie in 1971 for $20. <laughs> and a lot of times they'll take the stock footage and but blatantly lie about what's going on yeah, they, to make it seem more shocking. Yeah. Like they'll take like like a, a tribal funerary right and be like they're getting this body ready to eat. You know, yes, they're like just, all cannibals. Right. And yeah. <laughs> and so, well, I guess the reason why I was so nervous about recording this and doing this episode was because of the level of research we usually put in. And the other day we did a, a like a Mondo movie marathon, which is kind of a haunting thought when you really think about it. And and Mondo Kane was one that I was just like I was terrified of. Like it was a movie that like I'd kind of wanted nothing to do with just because like it had a bit of a reputation. And then we watched it after doing, I think it was like Faces of Death and Killing of America, which we'll get into later. And Mondo Kane was kind of delightful. A, it was a ball. <laughs> like I was like cracking up laughing and then like just grossed out. And but like the movie did this whiplashing thing where it would just go from like ridiculous old people being culturally insensitive going in to Hawaii. The gym. And yeah, like lots of fat gym. shaming. Yeah. And, and then like and then like a brutal scene with like a sea turtle. And 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 the way the movie like will make you laugh and lull you down and then just like throw something at you. It, 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 you never know what's coming next. And it's a crazy feeling. Yeah, John said something while we were watching Mondo Kane that I think is so true, which one of my so I know that people have problems with a lot of the violence in these movies, which doesn't really bug me as much. And we'll talk about why. But the animal violence does occasionally bother me. But the thing that bothers me the most is the racism like the They're presenting themselves as these sort of anthropological studies, but they're just wildly inaccurate and racist. But what John said was the thing I love about Mondo Kane is it's racist against everyone. And yeah, <laughs> there are true. all these scenes when they're in Germany they just, with well, all the they fucking hate drunks. Americans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we should say a lot of these. I think the killing of America is a rare exception in that it's an American production. 
but most of these are like mixed European co-productions. And so their depictions of like Americans on holiday are just <laughs> so funny. Yeah. Well, Killing of America is Japanese and American. That's right. It's Toho out of all people. What? Yeah, and it actually has ties to Shogun Assassin. Like, same editor, same uh, guy doing the music. Whoa. Yeah, and yeah. W- the one that we watched, which we'll talk about more later, uh, Shocking Asia, is a German-Hong Kong co-production. It's just like, producers were trying to make some money and thought, how can we get yeah. butts in seats? <laughs> so, uh, back to your point about some of the, the things in these movies that don't, that sit some of the more shocking things in the movie, I guess. Uh, the the things with the animal stuff that like don't really bother me are when they're showing some like tribe doing some ritualistic thing somewhere, or they're showing someone in like a different country eating like a snake. Yeah. And there's this delightful scene in Mondo <laughs> Kane oh. where like they're it's killing so this guy good. is like this lady's buying a snake to eat, and the guy is like skinning it for her. And and as he's ripping the skin off, you just hear like, whoop, like slide whistle. Slide whistle. <laughs> yeah, I just... I was averting my eyes for a minute, and then when the slide whistle happened, it was like, okay, I can't be bothered by this right now. <laughs> and another thing that is so crazy about these movies is they they mix in real footage with like fucking mad TV sketches. Yes, like the scene when they're showing a bunch of like Americans in a fancy restaurant in the Upper East Side eating ants and eating, like, <laughs> and earwigs. And eating this mealworm that snaps in half. Yeah, they, like, go like, to what? cut it with a knife, and it just <laughs> it launches, launches off the And I'm plane. like, oh, okay, we're having fun now. Yeah. It's it's kind of hypocritical at one point where, you're like, you see these tribes, and it's like, oh, look at these guys, and they're going to murder this turtle and eat it. But like most of the people who watch these movies most likely eat meat. They're just in a, a, a culture yeah. that hides that. Like we have this idea that like meat grows in a supermarket, you know, and like clearly we're doing the same thing. It's just that they just do it out in the open. Yeah, there's also this weird sort of angle with Faces of Death in particular where it portends to be anti-animal violence like there are all these moments where he says things like well i i'm thinking twice about ever eating meat again and anti-war and there's this of course there's a whole part where they show holocaust footage and he he keeps saying that everything is the real face of death (laughs) Uh. so after mondo kane kind of let the cat out of the bag and it was a huge hit internationally in the U- I mean everywhere this was a huge hit and the title translates to a, a dog's life a Is dog's that... life which yeah i think or it's life of a dog a, i think it's a dog's world a Does dog's it, world, a dog's yeah. world. I, mondo means world i think yeah okay. it means yeah. world but it's usually translated as a dog's life which pretty much means like life is difficult or life is rough or life right. is shitty right and so after the floodgates opened oh and... wait we should say some of these, if you're afraid to watch for animal violence, it's not all real. Like the dog fighting scene is fake, right? In, in Faces of Death? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, apparently, they went to a guy who breeds dogs and just like rub some jam on his pit bulls. Uh, yeah. They, they, <laughs> they threw some fake blood on there. Because if you notice, like at the end with the fake dog or the dead dog, it's, it's a still. 
it, you know, you, you can tell like they just stopped the movie mm-hmm. just to give you a, like the idea that this dog's dead. But yeah, they filmed two dogs fucking, and since they're pit bulls, I guess they they do it a bit rougher, and they just start throwing fake blood on them to get like the more gruesome shots. Which sort of makes me think of what you were saying at the beginning of the episode, like you didn't watch a lot of these because you were scared of the reputation. And I think that's exactly what they wanted to accomplish is we're making this thing that seems so brutal and horrifying. And certainly there are scenes that are brutal and horrifying, but a lot of it is faked. I think that's kind of like what makes them delightful. Well, what makes it work, like especially when you're a kid where they mix the staged stuff with the with the stock footage and so the whole time in your mind's eye it is all real oh yeah because when you're a kid you don't really know better and like nowadays when i watch it's like this is clearly staged like the great scene where they pretend to have firsthand footage of a cult in california there's <laughs> there's a there's a wonderful uh, anecdote about that um during the satanic panic when they were making like law enforcement's guide to satanic cults and stuff uh an fbi agent actually said that he knew everything about this type of stuff and used this footage of a cult uh ritual slaughter Ritual slaughter and orgy that we never get to see. <laughs> and and somebody saw it and they're like, that's the scene from Faces of Death, dude, that you weren't really at a place. You just stole something from a movie. Which is exactly what the directors of Mondo movies do. It's a wonder. It's the circle of life. After lengthy discussions, he allowed my crew to film his cult. He reasoned that it was time for the world to understand the true path to immortality. So Mondo Kane came out in 1962 and really, I think, made people realize, especially because of how successful it was, like, oh, we too can make shockumentaries. And the people who directed Mondo Kane, Paolo Cavera, Franco Prosperi, and Gualtiero Giacopetti, also made Audio Africa or Africa Blood and Guts. And I think... There were a number of other Italian directors like Sergio Martino, before he started making Giallo movies, made Mondo movies. And it just took off in the early 60s in such a weird way that like when I watch a lot of these earlier Mondo movies, they seem like they should be mid to late 70s. But they're so early. And I, I remember like reading that a lot of filmmakers because like there weren't really like porno movies in theaters in the 60s i mean maybe i'm wrong by that were there no even even back in the 50s where they would like hide porno movies by being sex education movies like mom and yeah. dad and stuff totally and I, and and i feel like those are the the precursors to mondo movies were these movies that were basically educational yeah, documentaries they, that were basically porn <laughs> And and they just had a, a narrow, well, not porn in the sense that, you know, that's like. They're, yeah, they're kind of soft core. Yeah, but they serve the same, you know, social purpose as you're going to this movie. And really you're going there to maybe get your rocks off or like, you know, see some, see some exciting stuff. But they're done under this, this, uh 
this guise of being some sort of like educational film yeah. like that great scene in uh monty python's meaning of life where it's like the sex education oh, component yeah. <laughs> that which is totally a spoof of things like i am curious yellow the the swedish movie that because it was positioned as this art house documentary it was shown in all these theaters, but it, it's really this like sex film in disguise. Yeah. But but what's so crazy? So there is a whole subgenre of Mondo movies that don't focus on violence and just have the sex. But so one of the things that we watched as part of our marathon was Mondo Topless, which is a Russ Meyer movie that came out in 66, a whole year before I Am Yellow. And it does... It pretends to be a documentary about strippers around the world, which is what I thought it was going to be because I've seen some of the other Mondo sex films like Joe D'Amato made a bunch of them in the 70s. But this was majestic. Yeah, it was just bouncing titties for 70 minutes with voiceover voiceover like like they would have like each of the girls explain like who they are what kind of work they do what they like about dancing and like challenges like my tits are so huge i can't buy a dress in a normal store i thought yeah. it was going to be like the mondo sex club movie where we're going to see all these weird sex clubs and sex acts all over the world Me too and no it's just melons bouncing and <laughs> And a lady being like, I can never find a bra that fits. And for 70 whole mi- like, I'm pretty sure he just made like another one of his skin flicks. Saw that the Mondo title was hu- huge at the time and just like yeah. put the two together, box office gold. And I love that we watched this completely blasted <laughs> Fuzzy. out like YouTube version of it. And like we just got done watching a couple really fucking nasty Mondo movies. All yeah. in high in, def. In beautiful fucking <laughs> Blu-ray high def where you can see every incision that is made on the autopsy table. And then finally we want to have our little come down movie and see some titties for a little bit. And it was just like I can't see a goddamn thing. And it's the same it's basically the same scene over and over again in slightly different sets. But the girls are all topless, all dancing the same way. And the way that he edits and like cuts from girl to girl is with a scene of a tape recorder. And I love that none of them, it's like, it's so cheap that you don't even get any actual like in in camera audio it's all just voiceovers yeah while while these girls like look at the camera and well, dance russ meyer wasn't really well known for uh spending much money on his films no but they are wonderful and we oh, will no. definitely do a russ yeah. meyer episode oh, one day absolutely <laughs> i just watched beyond the valley of the dolls for the first time and nobody told me it was one of the best movies ever made nobody <laughs> Roger Ebert's great shame, you mean? <laughs> this is his greatest achievement. That's that's for what, sure. That's what he got the Pulitzer Prize for. I'm, yeah, I'm 100 percent sure. And I'm Roger Ebert. And what is the most disgusting film of 2001? <laughs> well, let's see. In a field that includes T Spot Run, Monkey Bone, Tom Katz, and Joe Dirt. So we got some great contenders. Yeah. The champion is Freddie Got Fingered, with Tom Green making David Spade look like Jim Carrey and Jim Carrey look like Laurence Olivier. It's a vomitorium of a movie starring Green as Gord, an obnoxious retard who makes it his life's work to freak out his dad, played with teeth-gnashing scorn by Rip Torn. Oh, 
Trotty, our boy's a genius. He's rigged a pulley system so he can eat sausage and work on his stupid drawings. All right. Yeah, so there definitely are, if you're scared of Mondo Kane, but you kind of want to check these out, there are definitely things like Mondo Topless. Another one that sort of falls into this category is the great Doris Wishman, entrepreneur that she was, went from making sexploitation movies and nudie cuties to make her own Mondo movie, which is called Let Me Die a Woman uh, from 77, which is a pseudo documentary about trans people dealing with things like gender dysphoria and body issues and what it's like to go through surgery. And it's definitely, I would say, less offensive than some of the other things we're talking about that go into that sort of racist territory. Yeah. But it it is still, I think, qualifies as a Mondo movie. Last night we watched one called Mondo Bellardo. That was, oh, yeah. It was not one of the better ones. <laughs> I, I've come to realize that a lot of these are not great. Mondo Kane, absolute fucking gem, though. Top tier. Yeah. But... In Mondo Bellardo, there was this one scene where there was a bunch of like queer people and lesbians and what it, looks uh, like a bar or like someone's house or something. Just it was like supposed to be a lesbian bar. And by lesbians, they just say women who are dissatisfied with the state of the world. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I was thinking the whole time that like if you can tune out the gross commentary that was being given by Boris fucking Karloff of all people. But if you can, if you can tune that shit out sometimes some of the imagery and the images that you're seeing is like this crazy historical document of like queer people living in a very different time. And of course you got this voiceover, someone fucking cracking jokes the whole fucking time, which is a little shitty, but, but who cares? I mean, I mean, it's Boris Karloff. He makes it sound dignified. (laughs) He does. (laughs) And it's crazy because Mondo Bellardo is 64, which is only two years after Mondo Kane. Yeah. It definitely jumped right in on on fast. Yeah, for sure. Okay. To shift gears a little bit. Sam, I'm very curious. How did you first hear about Faces of Death? And do you remember the first time you watched it? Yes. So I have a weird history with this in the sense that I heard of Faces of Death and Traces of Death around the same time. And I think the way I heard about them was this is... It's mildly embarrassing, but when I was like, you know, 12 or 13, maybe even younger than that, I got really into true crime and read all of these books about serial killers where, of course, a lot of the older, more tasteless ones are like the book version of Mondo movies in the sense that they don't just give you straight facts about these cases, but... They sex them up a little. Yeah, they sex them up. They try to give you this like crazy version over there john i know you had a stack of these fucking books in your room Uh, you know what i would honestly i can read the wikipedia page for the facts i want if i'm gonna read the book i want the i want the wild one totally and one of the first ones i read that really struck me is this book called cannibal killers where they talk about cannibalistic serial killers but they also mention much like a mondo movie they mention uh, examples of cannibalism throughout history and really sex it up. And I forget what it was, but something that I looked up in that book in, you know, in the early days of the internet, just to see like, is this shit real or is this writer 
making all of this up and whatever it was that I looked up led me down this crazy internet rabbit hole and I found out about traces of death. And for a while, I thought traces of death and faces of death were the same thing. I, I did too. So I watched when I was like 14 or 15, I watched traces of death first and was just like, oh, that's disgusting. Damn. And so then when I finally saw faces of death, it was a couple years later. I think it may not have even been until I was in college when I also at the time was working at a morgue as an autopsy assistant. So when you see actual dead people all day, yeah, it's like, okay, this is, it's like I've already seen traces of death like five times and now I see dead people every day. Yeah, It's like not what I thought it was going to be, but because it has this just like infectious sense of weirdness that I love and those like tonal shifts, we talked about this on our uh, untold story category three episode but i just have always loved movies that are really unpredictable in tone yes and so that's why i was like okay even though this isn't the gross out thing that i thought it was gonna be it's just so weird and like unforgettable and kind of lovable in a way uh, uh, Rewatching it before we recorded i was shocked about how quaint and innocent yeah. and fun it is yeah and i remember like thinking that and then literally an hour later I, j I just got stoned out of my mind and i was like wait is it really like that or in my adulthood i'm just so far gone so jaded. Face faces of death <laughs> is actually this innocent cute little but i mean i've seen it so is. much awful shit on the internet that like yeah i yeah we're, we're gonna get there okay we're gonna yeah, get there yeah. we're gonna get there well and i think that's also some of watching it in so many decades later is the way that depictions of violence have changed in the media are just drastic from the 60s and 70s. I mean, when you think about Orson Welles being the first person to show Holocaust footage in his movie The Stranger in 1946, people were outrage the studio was like you really shouldn't do this and and he sort of thought no people have to see what this is really like and faces of death like that is kind of like the point of the narration or that's what they're trying yeah. to like say like while they're going even though there are times where they're like saying that and then the music in the background is like some fucking Gogol Bordello circus Klesmer, shit. Yeah. yeah, and it's just <laughs> the like the music cues in this movie are it's, perfect. I mean, it, like the that's music what, is perfect. Yeah, oh my God. It, it really it, it makes the tone of the movie. It almost makes it more easy to watch, you know, or, or rather, it it, yes. it makes it it softens the blow. It softens the blow. When and, I was a kid, though, it was the opposite. The fact that like they were playing jolly music, especially the one scene, which is one of the few real scenes, the lady throwing herself off the building, like they're playing that like weird jazz music right once she jumps off. When I was a kid, that fucked me up like so much more that yeah. like mix, because it was like these people are having fun with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think that's the feeling that I get that unsettles me the most when we're watching these movies sometimes is like because I'm watching him and I'm kind of having a little bit of fun, you know, in a weird twisted way at times, not the whole time. And then I like immediately start thinking like, wait, are there people who like 
love this. Because, like, this is, like, their fucking shit. And, like, and I start getting freaked out just thinking about the crazy people that are watching these movies. And then, like, I turn and look to my left and there's a fucking mirror there. And it's, it's me. <laughs> no. No. I yeah. went down this rabbit. I saw this one real death video that, like, fucked me up. And I found it on this forum. And I saw all like the people who post on this forum where it's like that was the whole point of the website was these videos. And these people were like literally like orgasmic about it. And I was like, holy shit, these are a different class of fucking people. That's the yeah. future generation of America's serial killers well, right mean, there. Yeah, that's like the killing of America. The like the killing of America was another one we watched the other day. It it went through American history kind of beginning with JFK was yeah. it beginning with the JFK assassination with the Zapruder film, which is brutal, you know, brutal Oscar worthy stuff. And then like leading up to the MLK assassination, the RFK and, and then had a whole bit on just like the serial killer wave in the seventies and then like showing Reagan get popped, which, you know, you just love to see. You do love to see it. And then when you watch these movies, like so often you're like, fuck, dude, is everyone just a fucking murderer? And like they, they do wiggle around in your head and do some wacko stuff that is definitely unsettling. And like you were saying, I'm sorry I cut you off earlier when you're mentioning like how Face of Death is quaint yes. at, at this point now because it's just it's something that we've kind of been... I mean, I don't want to speak for everybody, but the royal we have been inundated with for so long. Coming of age in the like rotten.com years and coinciding with the war in Iraq and just like this nonstop crazy footage, like seeing fucking people like during 9-11 and then, then after that seeing just like fucking beheading videos like on the news. I remember 99 when the Columbine thing happened. Oh, yeah. That was on the news for months. And they always showed that video of that kid falling out of the window yes. at school. But now, there's a mass shooting all the time, and you might get two days of news out of it. Yeah. And it just shows, like, how fucking... Like, even from 99 to now. it's It's been so heavily embedded that when you watch a movie like Faces of Death, afterwards, your thought is like, that was kind of cute. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That yeah. was kind of nice. And I think some of it is the way that the general like local news and the media at large talks about violence it always really you know i was just talking about how i worked in a morgue and read books on serial killers and watched all these horror movies but one of the things that really did make me uncomfortable and disturb me as a teenager was when my grandparents would just have the local news on every night the way they would talk about like 20 people died in this car pile up and you know this little kid just got kidnapped uh, like here's a new amber alert it, like yeah. th that stuff always really bothered me because of the nonchalant way they talked about it like in the same tone that they would tell you tomorrow it's gonna rain it, it's just like this is it doesn't feel right it's one thing like when you're a kid and you have morbid curiosity which i feel is normal I mean, and, and healthy th that's that was the rotten.com for me but the news when you can literally just see these fucking vultures just swarm upon every horror story they can find that i think that's like a completely different absolutely uh, like unethical thing and there is a lot of, I think what I like about these Mondo movies is how 
much they don't really hide like especially through the musical cues we've been talking about they don't hide that this is a documentary but not really it's here to entertain you and to shock you whereas it bothers me with regular news and true crime documentaries like lately we've had this sort of slate of netflix produced serial killer documentaries and they're disgusting they're basically exist just to entertain you in the same way that the mondo movies do but they're trying to present themselves as being you know real investigative journalism and they're just disgusting yeah i i think being like the exploitation movie that does like the jonestown story or the the ed gein story is is much it's less offensive somehow yeah, because they're being honest about it. Like we're, you, you're going to see something that you shouldn't see that you want to see. At least like they're not trying to hide behind this veil of like, oh, hey, this is horrible stuff. And then they like kind of like lift open the body bags. So yeah. You can peep. So the night before the 24 hour horathon, when we were in the hotel oh room, we were all hanging out. I was like, John, can you put something on the TV? And you said, oh, hell yeah. And and you were flipping through the channels for like three seconds before you you went to like was it like HLN? It's it like that like sidekick ID network. I, or, yeah, I don't know some like CNN sidekick. Literally the only channel that had something on that wasn't preaching or or, home. or selling you something. Yeah. Well, it was it was just it was like cold case files. About the arsonist, I remember. Yeah. Well, you were only in the room for about five minutes. We watched it for hours. Yeah, we watched it for hours. And the one that we got stuck on was like this guy gets shot in the woods and his ex-wife happens to be in the woods also shooting, but they can't prove that it's her. And then they think maybe it's her boyfriend. To me, like watching that for like two hours, that was worse than watching Face. Oh, yeah. You know, like the shit that was on fucking, you know, not but on TV, the way they normalize it. So I I think this sort of ties into something you were just saying about how watching stuff like that and watching Killing of America, which I think we'll talk about more in a second. It makes you feel like this is just something that happens every day, every second. Everyone is a murderer or a serial killer. But the Mondo movies. I think do something very different, a killing of America aside, where they make you feel like this is an exotic thing that doesn't happen or has happened in this, in this, you know, remote circumstance and this crazy thing, we're going to explore it. And it's sort of safe and fun because it's not something that happens in your neighborhood or every day or anything like that. I remember watching this thing on the internet. It was a high-speed car chase, and Fox News were covering it. You know, it's from, like, the helicopter point of view. This car speeding. Police are shooting. And they zoom in on the car as, like, the guy stops, gets out of the car, and shoots himself in the head. And then it cuts to the anchor just, like, profusely apologizing that everybody just saw that. And I'm thinking, like, you can't have your cake and eat it, too. You can't, like, be like, oh, look, everybody, we're going to, you know, watch the car chase and everything. And then once you see something that gets a little bit too nasty, be like, oh, we are so ashamed. Or this is such a good thing. the line. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you got to, I, I don't know. I mean, like, it yeah. just I feel like I respect somebody that's just, like, 
come on, let's go watch this guy blow his brains out. Yeah, you know? I mean, it's kind of like when we were growing up, John, you used the fucking, <laughs> the Bud, <laughs> the Bud Dwyer assassin. Oh my God. Or, or not, assassin, oh, the suicide so, video. Suicide. Do you remember the when people would t- troll people with the Rick Astley never gonna Oh yeah, they, they still do it, baby. I would do that, but instead of the Rick Astley song, it was the Bud Dwyer suicide <laughs> video. Yeah, so, I, I got that sent to my phone and uh, many it, times. It, I remember, like, we were in your bedroom, and I was like, yo, the Star Wars Episode Three trailer is up. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody, it was like, you... <laughs> it, it was like eight of us. And I was like, yeah, come back. And I just, like, like, like I, I went to the tab <laughs> and like, <laughs> Now be careful, uh, this is gonna hurt somebody. It's so fucked up. But I, I do think these movies are interesting, like even if you think we're insane <laughs> and you don't find them entertaining or whimsical. They're so interesting from a historical perspective because I think they really help to mark the shift in depictions of sex and violence in film and in media that happened in the 60s in particular. Like when we did our marathon, I made everybody watch this Stan Brackage movie called The Act of Seeing with One's Own Eyes, which is from 71. And if you haven't heard of Brackage, he's this really important uh, experimental filmmaker in the United States and that mostly did short films right yeah mostly short films and that movie is basically one of the first films that just is autopsy footage and it's not stock footage it was him there in the morgue during multiple autopsies and I just think it's amazing that certain filmmakers like Stan Brackage and definitely also Andy Warhol in the 60s were shooting these kind of hoity-toity experimental art house versions of things that feel like Mondo movies to me. Like, Yeah, the act of seeing with one's own eyes was basically just multiple autopsies and it was a silent film and you were just watching... Yeah, can you imagine watching that in a theater when you can't really have chit-chat and there's no music telling you how you're supposed to feel? It's just, here it is. And a lot of that was not really in the news. I mean, now you can turn on a channel and watch open heart surgery for eight hours, but you could not do that in the early 70s. I know for me, I actually the autopsy stuff does kind of get to me it's never at first at first i'm always like tough guy 5000 like oh yeah hey it's this is just this is science here you know and even in the beginning of faces of death and especially when we were watching the act of seeing with one's own eyes and growing up i would watch that actual autopsy show on hbo with like dr baden um but anyway that stuff after a few minutes of watching it really starts to fuck with me because it's impossible to watch it and not just imagine yourself on that table like ability of it all yeah and it's just like oh fuck they're gonna open up my chest cavity and take out all my organs and whenever they open up skulls and they take out the brains there's like this green film it's not always green 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I always forget that you know all this it's shit. It's usually red or like a weird whitish color, why depending it, on how long the person is dead. Why was it green the other day? Either they had some sort of infectious disease or most likely just the body had a chance to rot for a while before they could autopsy it. So how did you fall into being a autopsy assistant? Yeah. How did that happen? Well, for a while, I kind of thought I wanted to go to medical school, which is sort of ironic because now my day job is I'm in, I do communications for public health. So it's like, I am still in that field. Yes. Uh, but I, managed to make some sort of random connections and got an internship at the medical examiner's office and they sort of asked like okay what do you want to do I was like all of it and so I did all the things I think the only thing I didn't really do was write reports thank god because yeah, they're that, really boring that seems like the worst part by far it is the worst part but you quickly get a sense like you do with watching autopsy footage, I think, in some of these Mondo movies and some of the TV documentaries that it like changes the way you think about human bodies. And I think in our culture, especially, there's this emphasis on not thinking about mortality and not thinking about what bodies actually do i mean you know yeah. we don't ever want to talk about sex we don't want to talk about you know women's gyne gynecological issues it's like god forbid you say you have your period and i feel like some of that is starting to change but like my grandmother would tell me horror stories about how in the 50s and 60s you weren't supposed to say the word pregnant like wow. jesus fucking christ yeah so i literally just bought uh <laughs> Uh, we went, me and John went to a thrift store before we recorded, and in the back, we were looking through the VHS tapes, and I found Pregnant Women 7, and it looks <laughs> quite salacious, uh, just judging from the cover. I think I'm going to give that as a Christmas present to uh, like my mother or something. I don't know. I mean, we've come a long way, but yes. I still think it's really difficult, and this goes back to what John was saying earlier about how Faces of Death especially has this sort of anti-carnivore, anti-eating meat angle because people don't think about where their food comes from and the fact that there's an animal death and carcass involved. Yeah, that was the most shocking thing to me when watching it when I realized that like the movie sort of had an axe to grind and its axe was factory farming. It, it felt like some PETA propaganda at times. Yeah. Factory yeah. farming is the worst. So well, good. Well, what's really funny is this movie started because in Japan there was this Italian Mondo movie all about slaughtering animals for food. It was either called The the Great Hunt or just The Hunt. I can't remember exactly. But these Japanese investors went to the people to make uh, Faces of Death. Who had, they were making like nature films. And they're like, can you make a, a movie like that with all this like dead animal stuff? And the people make who went on to make Faces of Death were like, well, yeah, we could, but we're not. We don't really like that too much. How about we do the same thing, uh, but instead of animals, it's people. And the Japanese guys were like, their their faces just lit up, and they're like, their heads yes, exploded. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's exactly what we want. And <laughs> and uh, but since they still had all this footage because they were making nature documentaries for decades at that point, 
they worked some of it in there. I mean, I think you can consider things like, so last episode we talked about Eyes Without a Face and the great French filmmaker Georges Franjou, who's mostly associated with like cult and horror movies, but very, very early in his career, basically his first standalone film as a director is this movie called Blood of the Beasts from 1948, so like super early, that is a documentary about the slaughtering of horses in in what's basically the French factory farming system. What and are they killing horses for? To eat them. What? Yeah. Are People they good? Horses. Oh, I, I mean, we don't, neither of us really eat meat, so yeah. I feel like you're barking up the wrong tree here. But that is definitely something that I think all of these Mondo movies kind of tie together is this sense that regular people in first world societies are not intimately exposed to violence. And so seeing death and seeing eviscerated bodies, whether it's animals or other humans, is shocking. But it's sort of shocking to me that most people don't seem to have a basic understanding of anatomy or what the inside of your own body looks like or why your body behaves certain ways, yeah. which I think makes these films so much more impactful because I'm sure if you watch this as a doctor, it would be like, yeah, whatever, who cares? Yeah, it wasn't until I had a serious injury uh, that I realized like I kind of like bruised up a bunch of my organs from a fall. And when I could feel every single one of my organs, like I could I could feel my kidney, you know, right. like not from touching it, just from like I can feel it doing something. And like, you know how you think like your stomach's like in your gut yeah. sometimes when I would eat food, I could feel like it going down my esophagus because they like put a tube down there and it was like hurting all the way down. And then when it was in my stomach, it like wasn't all the way down there. It was like up here because when your stomach hurts, what really hurts is like your guts. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's like your the shit. It's your intestines kind of giving you gruff. But I could feel it in my stomach just like sitting there and like wiggling around. And it just like it fucking sucked. And like every breath I took, I could feel my lungs inflating. Like, and all your organs are just these bags. They like, are just meat bags. Yeah, you're just a big fucking meat bag. The only thing that's not a bag is your brain, which is... A bunch of worms. It's a collection of worms. It, it is. Speak for yourselves. Mine's one big bag. There's like <laughs> six it, things banging true. around in there. Yeah. You know, you're, like... Yours is like a bag full of Count Chocula. Yeah. It's, like a, it's a pumpkin stuffed with candy cereal. <laughs> Truly. The final trickle of blood marked the conclusion to this grotesque execution. How much longer will we be plagued by violence within society is a thought I've often pondered. If this is the only solution, humankind must stop and question the whole meaning of justice. All right, John, I know you're, uh, I don't want to say you're like jaded or, or anything, but I know you've seen a lot of this stuff. Is there anything in Faces of Death particularly that, uh, that like hits you or that, that like kind of shocks your system a little bit? I don't like flying. So like the plane crash, which is a real plane crash. And I went down this rabbit hole and like stuff like this happened a few times where there is a midair collision over a city 
and like people limbs raining down yes and but even like not just the people in planes dying but the people on the you know yeah on the ground street it, it, it happened the one in the movie is the one that's in san diego and um yeah these two planes collided i actually like after watching it i went down the wikipedia hole of like the whole event yeah. that happened and it was all just one tiny fuck up it was a commercial airliner and a small plane and the small plane was flying around the commercial airliner i think it was either taking off or it was or it was landing and the pilots like radioed into to the air traffic control and they said we just viewed the plane and then air traffic control heard it as they're viewing the plane as if it's in their eye like the line of sight so they're obviously not going to land on it or anything and just that miscommunication caused this plane full of 140 people to explode and kill seven people on the ground. And then I don't know how many people were in the Wait, little plane. how? I'm sorry. I, I lost you. How did that miscommunication lead to the plane going down? Because they told them to start their descent landing. And they landed on top of oh. another top plane of the in plane the air. That was like, right, like riding on their ass. And really, when they said, we viewed the plane... Eric, they were. They thought they said viewing the plane like it's in their like line of sight. Like we can and see it now. Oh, I see. Yeah, and just that wow. one little. Yeah, and there was another one in Brooklyn. Uh, uh, it was really weird how I got to this one. Do you remember Highlights Magazine? Oh, magazine for yeah. little kids. Oh, highlight, highlights. Or for some reason, or, I yeah, yeah, yeah. was reading about them on Wikipedia because my mom. Where the fuck is this going? My yeah. mom got me a subscription when I was a kid. Yeah, we were all plagued with that. I and, think. And, sure and there was one issue um, where they asked you to write in about your favorite movie. And I. <laughs> oh my god! Did you write about Faces <laughs> of Death? No, no, no. I wrote in about Zombie. And, oh, that's and, so and like, sweet. And like, yeah, I was mad they nice. didn't print it, but I can understand why they didn't print this like nine-year-old writing about zombie. And uh, <laughs> but then I was like, you know what would be really neat is if like I could write to them and find my love letter to zombie that I wrote to Highlights Magazine. So I went on their Wikipedia page, and then they talked about how the like the board of members of this were involved in this crazy crash where two airplanes collided over Brooklyn and killed a bunch of people and your letter went up in flames yeah i guess that's yeah. what happened <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, that's why they didn't print it that's why i never got anything i wanted for christmas every year because fucking santa got was underneath the fucking plane <laughs> and there was a miscommunication with the uh santa FAA. is eternal don't even start I, I santa's re- a fucking pig fuck that guy. i remember no How dare he you. wears red and gives free shit to poor kids how is he a he's pig? a communist that's what happened so Karl marx he didn't die he just became santa i love those j-i-n-g-l-e bells oh those holiday j-i-n-g-l-e bells when i was in, in high school it was i was my sophomore year and i was like in a really like bad place i had like plagued with depression and I was doing this thing where I was actually going to bed at seven o'clock every night and waking up at three in the morning. And that was like when I'd start my day. Like I was totally just like gone from everybody else. Sounds about right. So in a lot of time I watched a lot of horror movies, but also in like to make things even more unhealthy, I was watching a lot more of the real death videos and stuff. And I remember it's the dead of winter um, in my parents' um back room which is all glass you know what i'm talking about it's like this back room it's like a it was like a porch that was turned into a room so it's like you're in the woods almost sit back there and we would watch movies in like the fall and the winter and 
every once in a while, an acorn would fall on the ceiling and scare the shit out of everybody sitting there. <laughs> and I remember I just stumbled upon this one website. It wasn't videos. It was just black box recordings of crashed planes and just sat there and listened to like three hours of it. Wow, holy shit. You're not kidding about this fucking And plane it was fear. the most serial killer I've ever reached in my entire life. It was like, fuck. Like, that's when I realized, like, you know what? I'm going to, like, play I need to get away from the internet. <laughs> yeah. But uh, there's a lot of stuff that still bothers me, uh, even though when I know it's, it's, I don't like heights. So the lady. Yeah, I don't like heights off. either. Yeah. And knowing that one's real, really. Uh, Sam, did you ever go down the, like, live leak? rotten.com i worked at the morgue and did autopsies every day so i didn't (laughs) need to look at autopsy videos on the internet so you never ran the gauntlet the gauntlet that i ran was the most disgusting thing i've ever seen was a guy who committed suicide by train and i had to clean him up and you basically what that entails is you get a bunch of trash bags and you just have to go along the train tracks, picking up limbs, putting them in a trash, and organs. And yeah, you have I to used s- to do that with bottle caps. Well, I think your it's a version bit is less gross, <laughs> less wet, probably. And then when you get back to the morgue, you dump all the bags out on a table, and you have to like put it back into a roughly human shape so that you can do yeah. an autopsy. I did that with jigsaw puzzles. Yes, yeah, so that's that's my version of running the gauntlet. My mom volunteered for a. Uh, the rescue squad in my hometown and she would do a lot of like car accidents. And one time they showed up and it's like, Oh, there was a face of oh, death. Right there's there. a mouse carnage. Yeah. Sorry. We, we set up mouse traps just the other day. Cause Sam's house is overrun now. Okay. I've got two baby mice. <laughs> Listen, you had a, a, a box of Oreo O cereal that spilled all over the floor. And then you went on vacation and now Two baby bice. That one now is dead. Baby you might as well just bice. start e- well, e- eating th- veal So there now. were three, and I rescued one and took him outside. Well, we okay. just heard a, a nice loud snap. From okay, the so the one his, being his killed cancels out the one that I rescued. So, so now there's just one remaining. Um, but any, anyway, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. Uh, they go to this car accident, and she sees this small like blanket over something. And she's like, oh, God, please don't be a baby. Don't be a baby. Don't be a baby. And she, like, looks at this cop for help. And the cop's like, oh, I ain't touching it. And she, like. Yeah, they're the worst. She lifts up, and it's a guy's leg. And she and she was, like, she was so relieved. Thank God that it was, was only odd. Because if it was a baby, she said she would, she would did never. You, did you ever have to fucking interact with, with, with cops at work? So my hatred for cops, uh, I'm sure I would have it if I didn't work at the morgue just because, you know, if you bother to read the news once or twice a a year, yeah, we live in a society. My hatred of cops comes from working at the morgue and it honestly seemed to be pretty universal among all of the morgue workers. Like my first day, the chief medical examiner who is a guy who has like 10 degrees and spent like 20 years in school was like, listen, dealing with the cops is fucking terrible and they're going to be awful to you but like you don't have to take their shit and like this man gave me a pep talk when i was a teenage girl he was like it's going to be even worse for you they were horrible to me and the disregard for human life 
like I had never encountered something like that before. Yeah, that's that's their that's their mo. Yeah, but like as a teenager, growing up white middle class. Yeah, you never had to interact with them. No, I never saw it directly. But once I figured out that I wouldn't get in trouble for things I did to the cops, I went a little buck wild. And (laughs) probably the craziest, uh, there are a bunch of stories of awful things I did to cops in retaliation for them being terrible. But there was a summertime crime scene that I had to go by myself basically and pick up the body of this woman who had been in her apartment for like a week and a half, 90 degree weather, which means that the corpse is going to be super gross. And it just was really sad because it was like she died by herself and she didn't have anyone to check on her. And the only reason it got reported was because of how bad it smelled. So I went to pick her up and this like younger cop accompanied me just because that I think was part of the protocol. Like you don't go to a crime scene by yourself. Yeah. And I'm like bent over trying to put this putrescent corpse onto a stretcher. And he basically was hitting on me. And I don't do very well in the heat, as you both know. Yeah, you're a ginger. You Lost fall apart. my temper. Yes. So after over 70 degrees and you're... I can't handle it. Yeah, you become like a Victorian woman fanning yourself <laughs> in like the balconies of... But I also become like the Looney Tunes bull who just like... <laughs> <laughs> like steam is coming out of his yeah. ears and his nostrils are flaring All and right. he's sharpening his horns. So you're loading this corpse up onto a slab and fucking Pigman 5000 is trying to pinch your butt and whistle at you yeah and i was like trying to ask him for help because like i can't lift a whole lot and so i grabbed the woman's arm and her hand to try to like gently pull her and her sheets onto this stretcher and her hand comes off which is a normal thing that happens when bodies are decomposing it's called skin slip and it's really gross. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm listening. Don't worry. <laughs> but, <laughs> John, put your hands on the table. Hands on the table, John. And I don't know what happened in my brain. Like, this feeling hasn't happened to me very often, but he made some fucking comment. And I, like, lost my mind. And I forget what he said to me. Like, oh, do you need a hand? And, like, the woman's hand had come off. And it was like clear, yes, I'm struggling. I needed a fucking hand 10 minutes ago. And so I just turned around and looked at him and said, no, I've got one, and threw the hand at him. It hit him in the chest, and he threw up on himself. Uh. And I still feel really bad that I threw that lady's hand, but I feel like she was applauding me from the afterlife. Oh, my gosh. Listen, if, if, if you're ever the person cleaning up my fucking corpse from whatever fucking mangled wreck I find myself in, and some fucking pig comes up to you and starts giving you shit, you got permission to pull off any fucking <laughs> limb from my body and throw it right in his fucking face. It, do- it doesn't even have to be like that. If you find my... T- do whatever you want with it. Stuff, <laughs> stuff me full of firecrackers. Have fun. Like, I don't give a fuck. I'm Go done. Go you know? Sure. I dated this girl that uh, moved to Arizona and became a um, dispatcher for tow trucks. And they have a yard and they they towed in this trailer and it was sitting there for about two weeks in the Arizona summer. 
And one day, the tow truck yard uh, just reeked. Apparently, the owner was in there, had died, sat in this closed-up trailer. Oh, no. And then exploded. (laughs) What? Yeah. Apparently, like, the heat makes, like, the gases. The bacteria grows, and it expands. And And this guy was in the back of the trailer, and he reached the the front of the trailer. And... I had, I mean, like when we broke up, we were still friendly. So I still heard from her. But one day I'm just walking and she's like, my phone rings. I pick it up. I'm like, oh, hey, how have you been? She's like, something happened at work. And I know I have to tell you. You would appreciate this story. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's a true friend. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe, maybe we should have uh, been celebrating Ninja November this month. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I probably should not, you know, have told that story publicly but whatever fuck it i didn't say where i worked so it's probably fine but i did shit like that not all the time only when i really lost my temper and every single time the medical examiner was just like i'm sure he deserved it Ah, what a king (laughs) so to get back on track of faces of death yeah the piranha scene oh um (laughs) the piranha scene and the monkey brain scene. Two things they have in common is that uh, production of and they're other, not real. <laughs> of, well, that, but of other movies called for advice about how to get footage like that. Steven Spielberg's office called for Temple of Doom. Remember the monkey yeah. brain scene? Oh, they yes. called and they're like, "Oh, hey, where do you like? We need information about this because we're gonna have a similar scene." And Joe Dante of Piranha called about getting stock footage for piranha because he was like oh yeah faces of death there is the piranha scene that's magical yeah yeah so steven wow. spielberg saw faces of death and was like i need a monkey brain that's scene. awesome who was the fucking wasn't it like someone in like pearl jam or something like watched one of the fucking uh one of the guinea pig movies no it was charlie sheen oh charlie, charlie she- sheen oh, one the guinea guy. pig movies and thought it was like a snuff film yeah. Yeah, called, like, the yes. FBI. called the FBI. Yeah. We'll have to do an episode on snuff films and the Finlay's movie Snuff at some point yeah. because that is that is even a whole different area yeah. than Let Mondo me, movies. We'll do that maybe after fucking Christmas. You know, let's. Uh... Oh, not anytime soon. <laughs> we'll wait until you're more jaded. I know. I feel like <laughs> so after yesterday and after today. Uh, I'm going to sit down in my room and just like PG rated movies. Yeah. Room. I'm watching like the page master or something. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I want to see fucking Macaulay Culkin and some cartoons explain to me the plot of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde <laughs> in a way that's not scary. From the creator of an American tale, you're in need of adventure. Century Fox presents Macaulay Culkin as you've never seen him before. Look at this place! On a fantastic journey. So one of the reasons why the uh, monkey brain scene is faked in Faces of Death is since it was made by Japanese money, half a million dollars, which is like big budget for something like this. Yeah. Um, For a, a, yeah. And it all went to the score. Apparently, (laughs) I, I, I may be getting this wrong a little bit but since it was popular in asian countries they didn't really want it to look like 
something that happened in an Asian country. So they yeah, dressed it, looks, it up Middle Eastern. And it's Eastern. supposed to be Middle Eastern. Yes. Yeah. So that's why they just uh, made a set that looked like a restaurant and then they just built it. And it was like and a And had a monkey. belly dancer. Yes. Yeah. Which yeah. Makes that was when zero the Japanese, sense. they just stepped in. They're like, no. And they're like, okay, we're going to keep the scene, but we're going to fake it and make it look like it's, you know. It's funny because some of these exotic let's call them food ritual scenes like there's one with a sub-saharan tribe who kill an ox and drink its blood yeah and the monkey brain scene you can see all of that happening for real in anthony bourdain's shows yeah in i mean obviously oh, in a much sure, more respectful sure. and educational way it's just funny to me that like watching these in the 70s you can actually see the real version of this and not hear yeah. the like racist fake version <laughs> I, I thought anthony bourdain was a vegetarian no, no. Oh, wow. he was uh-huh. super, super into- anti-vegetarian like he would try to be a little bit nicer towards the end of his career about yeah vegetarians. He, he softened up a little bit <laughs> he <laughs> definitely softened up <laughs> He's yeah. Fucking crazy. Oh. well actually no rigor mortis makes you harder Never all right mind. all right i'm oh gonna my go check God. on that dead mouse in the kitchen real quick Okay. The curiosity is killing you. Is it bad? No. It's not still alive, is it? Hiking in the mountains is something I occasionally do to find some peace of mind. Away from the city, I'm able to reflect about my life and make decisions about my own future. But even in this realm of natural solitude lies another face of death. Each year, thousands head to a higher altitude to escape the smog. Creatures that live in this terrain will often take advantage of the innocent vacationer. Although they may appear docile and tame, one wrong move could cause a vicious attack. Come here, Come here, get out some bread. Let me throw some bread in. Come on, bear. Oh, this is great. This is great. Come on, bear. Look at the size of it. Okay, I'm back from checking on the mouse in the kitchen. How'd it go? He was fine. He was fine. <laughs> he actually the trap when it sealed, it uh it it just barely got his tail a little bit, so I let him out back and he's fine. You're lying to me and I love you for that. No problem. Uh anyway We murdered and it's on this forever. What? We we killed something. Something's not alive anymore. Well, technically Charles set up the trap, so But our flippant attitude indicts all of us <laughs> okay well we're no better than dr honestly, francis b gross is all i'm saying <laughs> we were just commentating on the the, the death of an innocent creature yeah a, t- a tiny adorable creature it was oh my god it was so cute okay all right guys uh sorry we're focusing now there was one other thing I, I really wanted to ask you about john i know uh a couple of years ago you went up to new york city and was it at the spectacle theater no, it, it, I don't No, No, it wasn't even a theater. It was like some weird like hall that we filled with like academic types that you just yeah. brought a projector in. It wasn't a theater at all. The movie, the, the way you describe it sounds like a Mondo movie made by Brazilian anarchists. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't call it a Mondo movie. It was like a, a, a propaganda piece uh, masquerading as a documentary. What was it called? It was called Third World, Third World War. And Brazilian anarchists went uh, to Vietnam during the war 
and hung out with the VC and just filmed like interviews with them and also like combat footage. Yeah. But also, it would be like uh, showing the effects of napalm on people and 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 villages, and then they would write down like where in America napalm is manufactured and be like 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 an address. Yes. And be like these these are That's companies wild. that that make napalm, and then be like, wow. silence is co- uh, is makes you compliant. So they're pretty Implicit, much hinting that yeah. you should go bomb. Yeah, and I was like <laughs> watching. I was like, fuck, this shit's wild. And it was something that, like it costs like five dollars to get in, and they're like, yeah, we just found this Brazilian anarchist nom documentary. That's awesome. And me and Dylan, we weren't doing anything that night, and fuck, it was it was it was intense. I do feel like those ultra violent actual documentaries that do have that particular propaganda slant sort of are in the same loose category as mondo movies like they're trying to elicit a particular response yes where where, where mondo movies are just just kind of trying to like titillate you and excite you and shock you and gross you out right, yeah right. And, and and like play with all uh, of your emotions i, f- I feel mondo is more exploitive while like whether you agree yeah. with these people or not their their heart was set into it they are really trying to get you like emotionally charged but not just for the dollar but to be like they yeah. believed him and i love the i love the idea of brazilian anarchists going to like north vietnam in the war to, to kind chill. of well, not to chill. <laughs> I'm kidding. But but to like trade tactics and to learn from the VC because when it comes to like guerrilla fighters, they were the fucking oh, best. Yeah. Holy shit! The VC and like the Cuban revolutionaries are just some of the greatest fucking so leftist warriors. This is something that I. It, okay, so years ago, the greatest Wikipedia page I have ever seen was the Wikipedia page for booby traps. And they have since changed it. I've been trying to find the version that I'm going to tell you about now on the Wayback Machine, which if you don't know about the Wayback Machine, it's incredible. resource on the internet. Yes, it basically captures an image of past versions of websites so that you can see how they look before they were updated. But the booby trap entry... Was it like the anarchist cookbook? It was. And it was it was so long, it was like a whole novel. And it didn't just explain to you what booby traps were, but it gave you elaborate instructions on how to make different kinds of booby traps, like how much dynamite to put in a backpack and if you're trying to blow up a building, which like supportive structure of the building you should put this backpack. And it was crazy, but it must have been written by somebody who was either a Vietnam War vet or maybe a v- a VC, like Viet Cong historian. Or just an enthusiast. Or just an enthusiast because most of the booby traps were Viet Cong booby traps. And they like explained how to make them and how to work and what the effect would be on the human body. And I just like would go back and read this page over and over again because I couldn't get over how insane it was. <laughs> and they, of course, have since edited it out. So they'll tell you like, oh, certain guerrilla groups would use this type of booby trap without the elaborate instructions. Yeah, I Madness. love the one story about the like, I forget, I think it was like an MIT student or something who in his, uh, like his final paper for his senior year, he designed 
an atomic bomb basically oh. like he like wrote that out and his his paper got seized by like the FBI and he got an A. Oh wow. <laughs> he earned that A. I remember um the guy who wrote Die Hard 3. Um, <laughs> now where I expected this conversation to go. The FBI stopped um by because the way he writes in how they steal from the federal gold reserve whatever it is in New yeah. York they were like that is like that would work that's an actual way yeah they're like that that was brilliant that Mm. would have actually they could have pulled that off i have no idea what this bill murray movie is i've i've only i saw it on comedy central when i was a kid but it opens with this bank robbery where he's dressed as a clown and he's robbing a bank and he gets like and there's like this woman who's being like kind of hysterical and then when they go to release the first set of hostages because like it's a big hostage situation like he's like gonna kill her and everyone's like no let her go she's gonna get all of us killed and he's like okay and then he goes in the back room and he changes out of his clown makeup and stuff and then like lets her go with him and they and she was in on it too and they both get out of the bank with all the money and they're like he's a maniac in there he's and they're like freaking out about the guy that's still in there and they let them go you know wow and that's how they get out of the bank and i'm like damn i gotta fucking try this shit this, i don't think anyone even knows about this movie you know well they do now <laughs> they do now also <laughs> earlier in a previous episode i think we were talking about the movie where dobermans rob a bank yeah. <laughs> Doberman this gang. is becoming a recurring theme on our show <laughs> but we should talk about something a little bit different in terms of like actual representations of violence that aren't just meant to be comical or whimsical. Yes. There's no slide flute. So earlier we were uh, briefly discussing uh, the killing of America, which I think after a day of watching these Mondo movies, that's the one that is going to stick with me the longest because it's a real movie. It's a real fucking movie. Very well done. Very well done. And and it's incredible seeing so much like police shootout footage and so many like like events like there's this one scene in the killing of america where this guy he basically like straps a shotgun to, to someone who refused to give him a loan yeah to some banker and like and there was wire around the banker's neck and it was attached to the barrel of the shotgun and then there was like wire around his hand holding the trigger so if if anyone shot him the shotgun would immediately go off and kill this guy and he had the guy on the shotgun for 3 days and he went around all these news reporters everywhere to just air every single grievance and they gave him a fucking platform because everyone's like what do we do here right you know like and and that was like kind of an epidemic, a wave in the 70s where things like that happened all the time. And halfway through it, I looked at you, Sam, and I and I said, kind of in jest, but also kind of seriously, like, Sam, it was the leaded gasoline. It was the fucking <laughs> lead in the gasoline that made people's fucking brains crazy. I mean, there's a whole side conversation we could have one day in a future episode about how the epidemic of violence and especially serial rapists and serial murders is tied back to things like the industrial revolution and the rise of capitalism and urban capitalism in particular. And I feel like 
you see that even though they don't really talk about it explicitly in Killing of America, it you just see it in so many different ways, not just the assassination or attempted assassination of major political figures, but they have, you know, whole things about kind of random mass violence. And they don't really, I feel like if they were doing that for a made for Netflix documentary now, it would be like, what makes people commit these acts? But yeah, it still makes you ask that question. Yeah. My favorite part was the ending where after it talks about John Lennon's like <laughs> funeral or after yeah. he gets gunned down and then everybody gets together for a memorial and they're like, you know, playing Imagine and they're like, you know, maybe we can beat this thing and like, let's, let's figure out what's going on, what's let's wrong. Let's come together and let love show us the way. And then at the very end, the narrator comes back and it's like, during the event, two people were shot to death. And it's the <laughs> end of the movie. <laughs> I was like, fuck yes, yes, yes. Ah. Way to go. Which, at some point, we'll have to do an episode on sleazy New York movies because I feel oh, like yeah. that epidemic of violence and crime that happened in the city in the 70s and 80s is captured in so many movies isn't 1981 like the most violent year of like new york's history like so much shit i think so and this movie is actually made in 1981 so that really checks out um i know we kind of talked about it but you you said you never seen the traces of death movies no i so i think i may have seen the first one okay but i i honestly it might as well have never seen it because i have zero recollection that's the real I, one yeah i saw the second one because it has a full-blown death metal soundtrack so really when, yeah when yes. i was 15 i was like oh fuck it's got obituary dismember benediction macabre i was like pungent stench like jesus christ <laughs> well they really knew their audience yes huh? yes yeah, they did they sure did um it there's scenes in there that still burnt into my mind. It was there. They have a lot of like, I don't I don't know what conflict it was, but it was clearly South America, and they captured this one guy, and they tied one arm to one jeep and another oh arm my to God, another it's brutal. jeep. And I can still see it in my head. I I've not watched this. Yeah, in almost so like 16, I've, 17 years. I've seen that video before, but not not in. A movie with death metal music <laughs> playing. And, it's because okay. you weren't trying hard enough. Yeah. So one thing that I kind of feel like I want to say, because I'm sure some people listening to this might be thinking, like, why the fuck would you want to watch movies like this? I mean, maybe not. Maybe they turned the episode off way long ago, which is fine. They probably never clicked. I, those people did not click. They're wait. They're waiting for the next episode. You're right. And and I. But I think that even like. Even my friends who are into cult movies and are into like crazy stuff, Faces of Death sometimes, and especially some Mondo movies, are just kind of a bridge too far. And I think that it's because people have kind of digested and metabolized a certain way of thinking that like says this that like there's nothing I can do as an individual to change any injustices in the world or to like right societal wrongs. And, and like, since everything is so fucking expensive and, and like, fucking out of reach, that the only things that we really have any time to do is, like, watch movies and to, like, consume content and to, like, watch fucking TV shows and shit. 
So in a way, like that becomes like a political act and it's like, oh, I have to be fucking watching the right movies or I have to like the movies have to be saying something that conforms to my way of thinking that like, why the fuck would I want to watch some fucking weird documentary that's like disgusting and kind of racist and then also kind of erotic and just like this like weird fucking thing that it's like, why would I do that? Because that would that doesn't conform to my way of thinking. And to me that's like fucking bullshit you know this like degenerate fucking nasty savage shit you can fucking watch it and you can like it and you can know it's fucked up uh, most and of these it people doesn't speak to you like it's horror not... movies and obviously yeah. would be repulsed by real life murder i am yeah and some of it bothers me because so there's this thing that you said about this idea of how people don't want to subscribe to or, or don't want to participate or witness cultural things that don't subscribe to their point of view and that's i think so dangerous like yeah. when you just kind of intentionally enter that vacuum where it's just like this circle jerk of everyone who agrees with you i feel like you lose touch of the world and reality and yeah, like even fucking Halloween Kills was like some like movie about anti mob mentality, fucking anti populist rhetoric. Done in like, the shittiest way imaginable. Yeah, it's like Jesus fucking Christ, I'm trying to have fun here and you're fucking like trying to like speak to my politics. Like you're and for one, you're getting it way fucking wrong. You're making the worst movie ever. Yeah, and your movie su- oh, sucks. I guess that was sorry, that doesn't really I I just don't understand why everybody everything they consume needs to enforce their their personal like i i pretty it's pretty clear i stand on the left i fucking love all those 70s neo-fascist dirty hairy death wish yeah those gun them up nasty, you know like yeah conservative and like, like reagan era and, and the fact that they're like psycho propaganda for the other side is actually what's endearing about it for yeah me. that's what makes them fascinating i think for sure for sure I mean, as someone who's interested in spreading propaganda that is, you know, helps bring people over to like the correct side, when you watch something that is effective propaganda for the other side, you know, there's some uh, something of value in that. Being like, oh shit, like look at how they're doing that. You sometimes know? it's just funny. And so, yeah, yeah, sometimes, sometimes it's to me, like it's watching just... fucking Charles Bronson fucking right. And sometimes, yeah, and sometimes there's even something amusing about it. Yeah, I mean, there are ways that I think are unattractive ways to respond to the media that we that we consume, but that you shouldn't be scared to watch a movie and think that like that is representative of you as a person that like that well, conflating yourself with what you or or also having this fucking paranoid delusion that this movie is going to put this little tapeworm in your head where it's like oh you know i i saw ilza shiwa for the ss and pretty soon i'm going to be fucking seg heiling down the street like it's not going to happen it's, it's just the thing that goofy. i find the most frustrating is in terms of specifically this conversation about what kind of cult movies are okay to watch and what kind aren't i definitely have seen from younger reviewers people who have blogs and write for sites like daily grindhouse and stuff like that people in their 20s and maybe even younger who they it's like they have to start out of the gate 
with the reviews saying, by the way, this is sexist. By the way, this is racist. It's like newsflash. Are you watching movies made in 2021? Because they're also sexist and racist. Yeah. It's like, why do you have to put this sort of false distinction on things, especially when it's so obvious? Like, I just don't get why that's helpful or why that's kind of valuable towards a critique or a review of a movie but like it's like what what purpose does that serve like i i feel like it's worthwhile if you're writing a whole essay about you know here's this particular social issue and here's how this movie plays into it but to just put this disclaimer this movie made in the 70s is racist it's like what why yeah which I feel like also ties into what you're saying about Halloween Kills, where newer movies seem to feel like oh, they have to pat you on the back. Yeah, and we yes. have to we have to do right, you know. We have to let everyone know that we aren't, you know, Trump people, or we're not we're not anti-vaxxers, or it's like fucking we have we have to show like, oh hey, we have the right politics, so you're safe to watch so Michael okay. Myers stab somebody in the back ten fucking times. Yeah, it's and, ridiculous. And, and and the other thing is like that's what makes the old movies more like interesting and, and in ways more dangerous is because they were made for the raincoat crowd. They were made for creepy weirdos going to the forty second street fucking grindhouse to jerk off to sick shit. And it, it's true. <laughs> it's absolutely true. You think make them die slowly was made for like the crowd that was gonna go see poltergeist? No. It was fucked up and weird. And when you see it, you're you're gonna watch something that's fucking deranged and it's made for sick people. And nowadays horror movies are just like they're polite you know there's there's they have they're defanged they're neutered and you know going in that you're going to forget about it 10 seconds later all right i think honestly that's a great note to leave things yeah (laughs) on our on our episode on mondo films and faces of death uh yeah we're frustrated we're a little frustrated (laughs) and honestly like i think i need to take a little shower I mean, uh, after watching these movies, like I, um, I'm ready to. You guys had it easy. Don't I, be a baby. I I watched, <laughs> I watched the whole Faces of Death franchise. I didn't even bring it up. I just did. <laughs> oh my <it>. god, <laughs> we watched the first one. Yeah, I I I didn't make it to four because they were all on YouTube and four looked bad. It was like VHS. Four is right? also just a like a best of. No, right? that's, that's five. Oh, okay. two two um is is fun. Uh, it's mostly stock footage though, but what's neat about it is in the end of the first one, like Francis, Dr. Francis B. Gross. Am I adding the B? I, I don't know. It's like Johnny B. Good. Yeah. I think it's, it's great. Probably, Francis Fr- B. Gross. Anyway, um, <laughs> he, he's like, I, you know, after seeing death and now seeing this ghost thing, I think that it's just like a transcendent period. And, you know, there's many, like it's another period of life and it's all like uplifting the beginning of Faces of Death too, he's just like, I've come to the conclusion that there is no life after death, and this is the end for all these people. And it's just <laughs> so much more, like his narration is so much more ah. mean-spirited. Like, they, there's a helicopter crash with nuns, and he's like, I wonder what their feeble prayer sounded like. <laughs> <laughs> but three goes back to where they have more of the enactments. And um, the ending, which is the best one, you just watch this dude get torn apart by guard dogs. And I was like, oh, wow, this is great. You know what? What a time to be alive still. All right. Well, before we sign off, I want to do one major shout out to 
our good friend Rob Scavarla, who who made us watch Killing of America. Yeah. Well, we mentioned that we were doing a Mondo marathon, and he's and the only person who wanted to come over like, and join oh my, us. Oh yeah, I'd love to. And and he has this account, uh, Mondo Americana, and he's been writing this uh, essay, this like long form essay on Mondo films, and also he does a lot of really cool stuff on conspiracy theories and ufos yeah you guys were co-hosts on the evil eye podcast we sure were you can also find him at either at mondo americana on twitter or at rob scavar or robert scavarla and he's building like a weirdly big twitter following i think because people want to argue with him about conspiracy theories but he knows his stuff. Yeah, he's brilliant. He's absolutely brilliant and a fucking paranoid wreck. We love him. He we also... Him we should think, get him together with Dylan to talk about the CIA. Oh, oh my, my God. God. That would be insane. Yeah. And can we secretly record that and put that out oh, as an wow. episode wow, without telling them? That would be like, <laughs> Dylan is the most neurotic person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although we, we also love Dylan if he's listening to this episode, which he's probably not. But <laughs> No, he's not. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Night.